Dragged into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's going on, everybody? This is episode 14 of Breaking Bats presented by Not For Long Media. I'm Brian O'Grady, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Ayers. It is late here in Japan, but we are the same day. It's been a long week, I guess, for me. Um, a lot of things happening. Jay, what's been going on with you, dude? Uh, nothing nearly as exciting or, or life-altering as the stuff that's been <laughs> happening in your life. Uh, so I, I would love to kind of lead off our, our you and I episode. So yeah, we, we had to kind of shuffle the deck this week in terms of guests. Uh, we have one for next week, but for your, for now you're, you're just stuck with Brian and I, so, uh, apologies in advance. No. Uh, so yeah, man, that, that you had something really cool happen to you, uh, the last couple of days. So take us through your, your trip home. You're a dad now. Like, like what's, what was the timeline like for all of that? Oh man, it was crazy. Uh, Obviously, it was amazing. Uh, I still, I still can't believe it. It's, it's just, I don't know. You just can't, you can't explain it, man. You really can't. Um, I was in Miyazaki, so Fukuoka is like the southernmost. I don't know if it's prefecture, but they're the whatever southernmost team for sure in Japan. So their kind of area is really big because they're the only team down there. So. They play at, at a few different stadiums, like around that whole kind of prefecture, we'll say. I don't know if that's the right term or not. That's like kind of like a county, state. I don't know. It's a pretty big area, whatever. So we were playing at this place, Miyazaki, which is, we would have, it would have been another, we were going to, we flew there and then we were going to play a game there and then we were going to, fly to Fukuoka the next morning and play them again at their home stadium dome. So it's kind of a, it's kind of out there. Like I think in terms of where we go in Japan, it's the most remote place <laughs> that, that, that we could be. Um, so I would have had to fly out of Tokyo no matter what, but we were in Miyazaki. It's right on the, it's right on the ocean, but it's kind of like rural too. So that's where we were. And of course, my wife had a, a doctor's appointment and it was right around the due date. And I'm just sitting there like this, it's going to happen here. And this is just going to be a headache to figure all this out instead of when I'm just at home and can take the train right to the airport. And sure enough, she FaceTimes me and she's like, get ready. So that was, that was like at midnight on like the 11th in Japan so, you know, booked a flight, left Miyazaki that morning, early in the morning. I think my flight was 7.30 back to Tokyo. I had to uh, – to that was at Haneda Airport. I had to go to Narita Airport, which is a lot farther than I thought they were apart. I thought they were both technically in Tokyo. Narita is not technically in Tokyo. It was like an hour and 15-minute cab ride. And then I had to get a COVID test done so that I could fly international. And that took about three hours. So my poor translator, Kobe, was with me the whole time. just sitting in the airport for, I don't know, my flight left at 6.30 that night. So in the process, um, what they told my wife was that they were going to induce her, uh, that she was ready to go, and it, it was going to be that day. So I was on FaceTime with her literally in the airport the whole time. <laughs> and uh, – about 45 minutes before my flight was boarding, she had our daughter. And so I watched it all on FaceTime. It was crazy. It was, uh, it was amazing. I was just in the airport crying. It was, it's, it's such a, I don't know how to describe it. Honestly, it's, it's just amazing. But what indirectly happened, you know, obviously it was sad. I couldn't actually be there, but the coolest part about it was, you know, I was taking screenshots on my phone of when they handed her my daughter and, and all that stuff. And unknowingly, 
I have my reaction in those screenshots to all that stuff. So it's pretty cool to see like, you know, what I was, what I looked like and what I was, the faces I was making when, uh, when all that was going on. Cause that's, it's just such an incredible experience. But um, so that happened and I got on a flight right after and uh, thankfully they're very there. It couldn't have gone smoother. They're both perfectly healthy. It was, it was awesome. And got on a flight and landed at uh 13. Well, had to stop in Dallas for a four hour layover in Dallas and then another hour and a half back to Pensacola. So I landed at uh 10 30 PM on the 11th America, America day. And, uh, was there for yeah that night we were in the hospital. Uh, the next day we, we were in the hospital. We left about five in the evening, got to go home. We're home that day and the following day. And then, was back on playing for me. So quick turnaround um, back in Japan. Now I go back to practice tomorrow, practice for two days, play, play in two games in the minor, on the minor league side, the big league teams away right now. So they just wanted me to kind of get my feet under me again. So I'll do that. And then I'll rejoin the team Tuesday. Uh, Monday's an off day. So Tuesday will be the next game, big league game I play, but uh, man, it was, it was a long trip. I don't love flying. There's a lot of flying, a lot of time spent on an airplane, but well worth it. Uh, I was, you know, I missed them terribly already, but thankfully FaceTime is is thing. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait till the, uh, the off season's here and I get to spend all that, all that time with both of them. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it sucks right now not to be with them and not to see, not to see them all the time, not to see my daughter, but I do get to spend a lot more time than most normal people probably do in the off season with her. So I'm looking forward to that, but all in all, everything went smoothly and uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very thankful. And uh, you want to feel old, have a baby and turn 30 in the same week. So that's where I'm at right now. Double whammy. That's incredible. Well, congratulations to, to you and your wife. Uh, did you get a chance to to reconnect with your cats there? I, I remember you saying that. <laughs> were they were they happy yes. to see you? Yes, my cats were very happy to see me. The first first couple minutes they were a little uh, suspect, um, but <laughs> they warmed up, and then they uh, yeah they were it was it was awesome. They were laying by my my cat Baloo was was laying on me right with me in the bed. Everything he's my he's my little buddy. He's like a dog. He's not even like a cat. So. <laughs> He was all over me after a couple of minutes. Yeah, it was it was good to see them. I do feel bad though, because you know, he he was the baby, so it's slightly changing right now. So he's got to adjust to that. But cats, cats are good. My wife and my daughter are great. So all in all, it was a very successful, successful trip home. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I love to hear that. So yeah, what what a what a stressful couple of days. Traveling just like in general without all those kind of things is stressful enough, but then also trying to get home and, and trying to do all that stuff. I can't imagine. So uh more more power yeah. to you for, for doing that. It worked out, you know, definitely uh a lot of stress taken off of me once once I knew they were both healthy, honestly. I was like, okay, I can I can calm down. But uh yeah, those were uh, that 13 hour flight definitely felt longer than 13 hours with, uh, with everything that was going on, but you gotta do what you gotta do. Absolutely. Well, Hey, let's, let's do a little, uh, let's do a little MLB talk because, uh, I have some really cool segments planned for us today. I have the first one is the panic button. And this is kind of teams <laughs> that are underperforming. This is whether or not we're going to smash the panic button or maybe just put it across the room and leave it, leave it alone for right now. Uh, so I wanted to start with the Boston Red Sox. As of today, they're 14 and 22. They're 13 games out of first place. Good God. Uh, are, are, are you smashing the panic button if you're the Boston Red Sox right now? First of all, I got to say that I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. So my, my hair is out of control as long as it's been. And I, don't, I honestly can't remember. So anyway, just seeing myself is bothering me. But uh, man, they're a tough one because I still think they can turn it around. Uh, they got a lot of really good players. They do got some guys who are hurt. Uh, I know who I'll sail, but I don't know when he's going to be back. I know Paxton's banged up too. So, but they're definitely disappointing. Uh, that's, they got a lot of good hitters on that team. Um, 
you know, I was after watching the game today against the Astro. Well, today for me, I don't know. <laughs> Last night, I guess for you guys, uh, Astros hit five homers in the second inning. I think it, I think it was off Eovaldi, who's you know supposed to be really their their guy. Ah, panic button or no panic button? I'm hitting the panic button because. I think they'll end up being okay, but in that division, you fall too far. You fall too far out of it. It's going to be tough to come back from. The Yankees are fucking a juggernaut right now, so that's about the only thing I've I've been wrong about so far. And I guess the Red Sox too. But uh, you know, Blue Jays are tough. The Rays are the Rays. They're, it's that's a that's a tough division, especially when the Yankees are playing like they are. What do you think? I'm I'm not pressing the panic button if I'm the Red Sox. I I still think that they they have a run left in them. Like you mentioned, uh, James Paxton is supposed to be coming back after uh, he has Tommy John or had it. So he's coming back after the all-star break. They're not entirely clear on that. Chris sales coming back around the third week of June is what I heard. So the rotation is going to get help. Uh, I, 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 I can't see Trevor story hitting 210 for the rest of the year. He's been one of the biggest storylines for, for the Red Sox, just how much he's underperformed. So I look at career norms bouncing back a little bit for him. And then you already have Bogarts, Devers and JD there. Uh, I think they're fine. I, 13 games out does seem kind of daunting, but you know, wild card teams, all those games in the division, I'm not pressing the panic button. So it's, and the bullpens is anchored by, is uh, anchored by our guy, Matt Strom. So. Stromy's looking good, man. Stromy is throwing well. It's, he had a couple really clutch strikeouts the other night against the Astros. I mean, he was, he was fired up out there on the mound. So. He's looking uh, good, man. Yeah, they're uh, it'll be interesting. I definitely, I could. You're right. It could, it could definitely turn around. It's just, uh, yeah, 13 this early, man. It's well, it's a testament to how well the Yankees are playing too. But yep, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a lot to overcome. It is. Uh, the next team is the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves. They are 17 and 20 on the year, six and a half back of the New York Mets for first place. First reaction: Are you pressing the panic button right now in the ATL? I'm not. Definitely not. They uh, Acuna's back, and he kind of got hurt a little bit, uh, something different, but now he's back again. He's Man, he's such a superstar. He's so good. Once he gets going, he'll be, they'll be fine. Olsen's been solid. You know, there's, they just have a lot of guys that are still, um, you know, Zuna's back from his suspension, so I guess he's still kind of – getting used to playing all the time again. Duvall hasn't played great. They just, they have, it's kind of like what you said about the Red Sox. They have so many guys who have proven they've been good players that it's only a matter of time. Charlie Morton is a great pitcher. He's been struggling a little bit. He'll, he'll Uncle Chuck will figure it out, man. He's, he's awesome. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about them. The Mets are obviously a problem. Mets, Mets are playing really well, but Phillies are at least right now not playing very well. So um I'm not, I'm not ready to hit the panic button for the Braves. What do you think? I ah, see. I don't know. I might be leaning panic button on this one. I, I, I think that that magical run has taken a lot out of them. If you look at, yeah, I mean, guys like Charlie Morton, obviously he, he has like a five ERA right now. And you kind of saw this with like the Nationals because I think back to 2019 and they had this great run, extended postseason, all these games extra played. And then they came back the next year and they're just kind of flat. And that's kind of what Atlanta is. I look at them right now. They're 26 in the league in average. Dansby Swanson and Marcelo Zuna are hitting roughly 200. Uh, the team ERA, they're 22nd in the league, mostly due to Charlie Morton. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they have enough magic left in them for another run. And I, I think I look at that NL East and I look at how good the Mets are. I look at how good the Marlins are, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I, I might be pressing the panic button down there. It's it's not looking great. You're right. It's, uh, you know, the World Series hangovers definitely a real thing that was a it's a long run to go through that and it takes you know emotionally too is is it's a lot but they also as we all know lost uh their franchise icon this offseason so it's the first time playing without freddie in however many years it's been but we'll see uh when acuna gets going if he can really lift that team but if he can't you 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 might you might totally be right I, yeah, I mean, the Freddie Freeman point's a great one because I looked at what he's doing with the Dodgers. I think he had like a three-double game or something the other day. He just – I think he had one a couple of days ago and he had another one like last night. Seriously, yeah, because I, I was just – I was actually just looking at it. He definitely did last night. I'm pretty sure he did like within a week. So, yeah, he's he's doing all right. Olsen – I mean, Olsen's solid, but 
I don't know. I mean, Freddie Freeman is just that guy's an animal right now. There's nothing stopping him. It's, You're right. I would have liked to have had Freddie back there. All right, the next one, uh, the Seattle Mariners. They're 16 and 21 right now. They're eight games back of first place behind the Houston Astros. Uh, this is a team that's that's suddenly dealing with a lot of expectations that they didn't have put on them before. Are you pressing the panic button? This one hurts me because I had some high hopes for these guys this year. And I had some high hopes that them and the angels would combine to knock the Astros out of there. I'm tired of seeing the Astros, but they're, I mean, shit, they're (laughs) the Astros just hit me. I don't know. They're just good. They're just, they're just good. I'm not hitting the panic button because their surge last year was later in the season too. They had a they had a really good run towards the end of the year that that was almost getting them in the playoffs. I think they got too many good players. That it's it's just a matter of time. Winker is going to come around. Suarez is swinging a little bit. You know, I think they've had uh, Julio Julio Rodriguez is starting to to play like everyone thought he could. Um, obviously, losing uh, Kalinick or Kalinick not playing like like uh, they believed he would that hurts. But they're also going to get Kyle Lewis back here soon, who's, who's another really good player. I think they're going to be fun. They got Robbie Ray, you know, our guy Adam Frazier. I think they're going to turn around. But the Astros and the Angels are both good teams. So that's the only part that scares me. Right. And that's kind of why I lean more so towards pressing the panic button on them. And you brought up Jared Kelnick. He he was sent to AAA. He hit 140 this year, and it wasn't even like a small sample size. It was 30 full games. Uh, I look back at that December 2018 trade with the New York Mets that uh, the Mets uh, acquired Cano, Edwin Diaz. They sent the six overall pick Kelnick to the Mariners. Is it has enough time passed where we can declare a winner and a loser on that one? That's a tough question because. I've played against Kalenic in AAA, and he mashed. His numbers in the big leagues right now are what they are. It's not a, it's not a very small sample size between last year and this year. This is the second time it's happened where he was getting basically every day at bats and just didn't didn't do anything with it for whatever reason. You know, I don't know. Obviously, he's talented. Obviously, he can hit. I've seen it firsthand. I don't know what the what the difference is there. But uh, he's still young. I, I, you know, I'm not ready to say he's a bust yet. Edwin Diaz is obviously very good. In my, I'll let you say who you think the winner because I, you know, I know that's what you're getting at. I don't know. I think that I think no matter what, losing Edwin Diaz was big, but also offloading the Cano contract was a good move for Bear. So. I still think it's probably a even trade right now, in my opinion. What do you got? It's so tough. You're right, because the Cano trade, obviously, we look at it right now. It, it doesn't look great for the Mets because they just had to release Robinson Cano. But he had a pretty good, what was it? He had a, an okay 19, a really good 2020 in the shortened season. He missed all of 2020 with the, the PED suspension and obviously now was cut. But yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of would say that the, the Mets got a good deal. I know Edwin Diaz has like, if you look at his year by year, it's like bad year, great year, bad year, great year. So he's wildly inconsistent, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, Kelnick really has to turn some things around. And it's like, how much of an impact does going back down to AAA really have, you think, on getting a guy juiced back up? Oh, man, that's in that situation because he's – he, there's just nothing left for him to prove at AAA, you know, that's, and he's, and he's in a different situation than, than like I was in, you know, I was getting sent down because that was kind of my role. I was that guy, but you know, I've dominated AAA pitching my entire career. He's done the same thing and he's like, he's much younger. It has the prospect hype, all that stuff. And, but he's also gotten the other difference to me is that he's gotten the opportunity to to play and like to just play. And it hasn't, it has not, has not worked out. Like I feel bad for him. That's not fun. His numbers last year were rough. And I don't, 
I don't know what the difference. I, I would love to hear what they told him. I really would just like, is there, you know, if you work on this, if you, if you adjust this, we think that it'll end up better. I, I don't know what you tell the guy because he's going to, if he goes down and plays, he's probably going to do what he does and dominate AAA. And then you bring him back to the big leagues and then what it's just, is it the same thing again? I, it's, it's a tough situation for, for a guy, you know, you have such high expectations of too. Plus, they have a lot of depth, man. They got some good players there. I mean, Rodriguez there now. Like I said, Kyle Lewis is coming back. And then you got Winker is an outfielder. I'm trying to think of who, who their other outfielders are. I, but, you know, those are it, – it, Lewis and, and Rodriguez are probably going to be in there every day. So you're leaving one spot, which is either Wink or he's DHing. So, I don't man. It's hard. That's a that's a tough situation, without a doubt. I just pull up his numbers. I remember when he got called up last year because it was like one of the most hyped up prospect debuts of any player last year. And I think he started the year like one for thirty or something. It was it was really bad. I, I picked him up in fantasy baseball and I felt so good about myself about that waiver claim. And I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, last year in ninety three games he hit one eighty one with fourteen home runs, which is good. Fourteen RB or forty three RBIs. This year, 30 games, three home runs, batting 140. Uh, it's in an OPS of 500. So, I, I yeah, I mean, you, I, will, I look back at his, his AAA stats from 2021. He hit 320 in AAA. So, you, I mean, it's like, I, I guess it's more of so just like getting his head right or maybe like getting his confidence back. I, as a non-player, I don't really understand when I hear those things tossed out. Like I watch MLB Network. It's like, oh, he's really just got to work on his confidence. I'm like, I don't know what that means. So, it's, I, I don't know. I, I really hope he hits better. Because, you know, pulling for the Mariners now for our guy Frazier, but it's that's tough. I, I don't know what else you can do at AAA to, to fix it. That's that's my point is, is it, to me, it's almost it has to be some sort of mental something, right? Because there's no way the different like there's no there's not that big of a difference there. You know what I mean? Like if you can do that in AAA, you can go to the major leagues and get those consistent at bats and you know, it might, it might be 220 or 210, but it's not 140. (laughs) And I I think he hit a stretch last year where it was, yeah, it was like one for 40 something. Like there was not, not the first few games, but after a little while, it it was, it was bad. And I I tell you, that's, that's a grind to go out there as a player and, and they were still putting him out there and, and uh, which is a good thing. And also a grind because you're like, fuck, especially when you're, you know, he's not used to in the minor leagues. I'm sure he wasn't used to ever really failing like that. That's a whole nother scale. So I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you work on. You just tell him to, to not worry about it. And we could probably spend a long time talking about this. We get pursuing back on here, but I hope, I hope, I hope it works out for the kid. Cause that's, that's tough. And I, I do, I do feel bad. That's, that's not fun. Yeah. Shouldering the burden of being a top prospect on a team that's supposed to win. I mean, that's, that has to be a major factor into why, you know, the, the numbers haven't been there yet, but yeah, you're right. We could do another hour on, on just like the, the mental side of expectations. I feel like that's kind of what it all boils down to. Right. Cause it's like the team has expectations. You're supposed to be our center fielder every day expectations. So yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fascinating conversation. Yep. You're I think you're exactly right. Let's let's shift gears. Let's do a little buying or selling. So we we did the panic button on teams that have kind of underperformed. Let's do buying or selling on teams that have kind of overperformed. Some would say we'll go around the league. We're middle of May right now. I look at the LA Angels, twenty four and fifteen, one game back of first place. Are are you buying or selling their success so far? Gotta buy them, right? Gotta buy them. They're the pitching staff still scares me. I will say that. I don't trust. I just, I just don't trust it. But that lineup, man, Trout is healthy and he's the best player in baseball again. Otani is coming around. He's, you know, he's still hitting all these homers and he's Otani. He'll be fine. Taylor Ward, as if Trout's been the best hitter in the big leagues this year, Taylor Ward's like number two. So they, they basically have the two best hitters in baseball statistically right now on their team. Um, so if he keeps swinging like that, that's just another piece uh, there, man, that, you know, and then Rendon, obviously they just, they're a good team. That offense is legit. 
the pitching scares me a little bit, but I'm willing to uh, – I like them. I just like them. I hope, and, I, and I hope they're good. I, everybody wants to see Trout in the playoffs and Otani. You know? Like, that would be that would be sick. So, I hope it's not fake. I'm on the Angels. I'm saying it now. On the Angels. I'm right there with you. I, I co-sign everything you just said. I looked up the MLB leaders for OPS. Number one, Taylor Ward. Number two, Mike Trout. So – uh, those two guys, and you add in Otani. I look at that rotation, and that's kind of where some people get a little scared by the Angels, just because Syndergaard's coming back off of injury, and you don't know what you're going to get out of him. This guy, Patrick Sandoval, who's like in his third year, has a sub-two ERA. People are trying to figure out him, try to see if he's good or not. Um, but if, if you have those guys in your lineup, and you have some of those arms, like Otani and, and Syndergaard, if he can stay healthy, and Michael Lorenzen's still there, so it's like, why not? I Yeah, and g- give me Trout in the playoffs. I'm tired of watching every playoffs – and then Trout's back in New Jersey, like hunting or something. I, I want to see Trout in October. <laughs> Do you know what's funny is, is here, I I watch like almost at least some of every Angels game because Otani they put, they have Otani on TV here. So the Angel games are always like, I'll come in from batting practice and, you know, waiting before the game or whatever, and on the TV will be the Angels game because they, they have Otani on whatever, you know, whatever channel it is here. So – I do, I do get to see them play a lot. The, the pitching, they have the talent there for sure. I play with, I play with Mike Lorenzen, um, Syndergaard, and Detmers. I know Detmers threw that no hitter, and then he came out the next time and got lit up. And I think Syndergaard kind of did the same thing where they, um, they had a really good start and then kind of got lit up. And that's going to happen. But yeah, if they, if those guys can be consistent, the talent's obviously there. Like you said, Sandoval too. So Tani, Lorenzen, Sandoval. Syndergaard and uh, Detmers, it, the talent's there for that rotation to be good. We'll just have to see what happens throughout the year. Yeah, and, and you look at the bottom of that division, it's not very good. Oakland, Texas aren't very good. You, we just talked about Seattle trying to be better. So I, I get the sense that that's kind of a division where you can stack up some wins uh, and some wins in a hurry. So, yeah, get, give me some LA Angels action back to the playoffs. I think the last time they made the playoffs was, what, like 2014 or something? Early in Trout's career, yeah, I don't remember the exact year, but it was—it's been a little bit. It's been a little bit. That's that's one, that's something that doesn't get talked about enough is the fact that we just never see Mike Trout ever in October. Uh, all right, <laughs> next up is the Minnesota Twins. So they are twenty-one and sixteen. They're in first place in the AL Central. Uh, are we buying or selling them so far? Remember when we when we first talked about the Twins? I was like, "What are they doing? Okay, who are they?" I was so confused by, you know, they signed Correa, they traded Donaldson, they signed uh, or they traded for Sonny Gray, they signed Archer, and I'm like, you just couldn't figure out what the plan was. But obviously, they're pretty good, at least right now. I mean, it's early, but they're they're pretty good. My guy Joe Ryan, former uh, former alt site Ray, great, uh, is shoving. He's like, you know borderline AL rookie of the year right now. So man, they um they're I'm very impressed with uh with what they've done. And Correa has been hurt. Correa is just coming back now and Royce Lewis had a really good stretch while he was there and they still sent him down. I I might be the president of the Joe Ryan fan club. Uh, cause as I talked about earlier, I play fantasy baseball. I have Joe Ryan four and two with a two, three, nine ERA. And I wasn't entirely sure who he was when I drafted him. That's no disrespect to Joe Ryan. <laughs> I just, that wasn't a name that just sounds like it, it's not a name that really sticks out, but it's, I love it's, that guy uh, the old two first name guy, but, uh, yep. Joe, uh, Joe's a good dude. There's a, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to ask Joey if he'll come on the old pod. He's a, He's a he's a good he's a smart guy he's an interesting guy uh, that that would be a fun one too but yeah he's a good pitcher man and that it's an interesting team no doubt Buxton I, I love Buxton dude Buxton's so fucking talented it's uh, it's unbelievable forgot forgot to throw that part in there yeah I was just about to bring up Buxton so uh, Buxton has eleven home runs so far and the Twins themselves are they're top ten in the league in home runs with forty. But Buxton's doing this thing where it's like they're they're trying to get him to play 100 games for the first time since 2017, which if you think about it, that was that's so many years ago that he hasn't played over 100 games. 
So they're playing him in like 60% of the games now. And fans are kind of like, what the heck? He's really good. Why are we like giving him scheduled off days to like rest and try to ramp himself up? Uh, and I think I even saw Carlos Correa had a quote about it. It's just like telling the fans to chill out, like let the dude get his scheduled off days. Like, I don't know. Have you, have you kind of been following that or have you seen anything about that? Because when you have a guy that's like 11 home runs and carrying your offense, like it's gotta be demoralizing to watch him on the bench, just like eating sunflower seeds during the games. Yeah. I've never, I actually did not know that. I haven't seen that, but uh, it unfortunately makes sense because you, I mean, you said he didn't play a hundred games since, you know, five years ago. And he's a guy who will be penciled in there every day if he's healthy. So that's uh, to me when, when, it happens that often every year that you miss that amount of games. It's, it's not really a coincidence There's something your body's breaking down for, for some sort of reason. He's obviously a very explosive athlete. He's super fast too. And, and he's got some power. So he's moving, his body's moving fast. Maybe the wear and tear of, of all those explosive moments for him has, has been a little much to start, but it's definitely frustrating as a team. I'm sure it's frustrating for him. I'm sure he doesn't love doing that especially when he's feeling good. You don't want to sit when you're feeling good, but yeah, they just signed him that contract. And, and, you know, if that can, uh, if these once a week off days or whatever can help him play 120 games in the long run, then I guess it's worth it. One last twins thing. Uh, I saw an ESPN there. They're theorizing, like, could they trade Carlos Correa? It would kind of be like an outside the box thinking move being then first place, but he's playing so well and he could literally just opt out after this season. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they have to look themselves in the mirror and see and, and say, are we really a first place team or are we just overperforming? And could we get some sweet prospects for this guy before he just goes into free agency again? I, can't imagine, I mean, that the asking price for Carlos Correa would have to be gigantic. So that, yep. When the time comes, that'll definitely be an interesting storyline. You're right. They'll either, you're right. They're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to consider it or they're going to have to, um, go for it one or the other right if they stay pat you know they're gonna or they're gonna try to get somebody else who's pretty good and and, and make a run but that uh those opt-outs would scare me if i was the twins they would absolutely scare me right because you're like that we talked about this like if you crush it you're, you're just gonna leave like you're not gonna like opt in for another like you're gonna try to get more money than what your contract is for next year so it's the dumbest thing i've ever seen i don't know why opt-outs after every single year were included uh but yeah i think i think there's gonna come a point where maybe they start to fall off a little bit maybe they start looking at 500 or less and they're like yeah let's try to do like you know well, let's see what we can get for a half a season of korea maybe we can get a handful of young guys to, to try to inf- to get some more prospects in there. But yeah, that's, that's gonna be a fun storyline to follow the last like buying or selling. And, you know, we, we could have done first place teams. Like we could have said, are the Mets buying or selling, but there's some teams you look at that are like home run slam dunk. Like these teams are good, but I look at one kind of under the radar team. I look at the Miami Marlins. They're 17 and 19, which doesn't really stand out. They're six games back, but they're nine and two in the division this year. And that's their best start in the division since Oh nine. When you look at the Miami Marlins, are you buying or selling them as a second place team right now? As a second place team right now, I'd buy them just because it's funny. My dad always says this, that the the Phillies can't fucking beat the Marlins no matter what. Every year, the Marlins could stink. The Phillies could be good. The Phillies can't beat the Marlins. So they got that going for them. I mean, they got some pieces, Jazz Chisholm's. An electric player, uh, Jorge Soler and Abisel Garcia are two, two really good outfielders, good hitters. They got some sneaky pitching. I can't even – Alcantara and uh, Lopez has been like the best pitcher in the major leagues this year. And then I can't even name 90% of their other pitchers. And they roll out and they're all nasty. Like, we face them we, – we played them a, a few times last year at the Padres for whatever reason – and they're rolling these guys out of the pen, and I'm like, who the fuck are these? And they're all nasty. Like, you never heard of them, and they're all throwing, like, 97-mile-hour sinkers. They're, like, they they just have good arms. I don't know where they come from. They just got them. So, I could see the Marlins just – and they got my favorite player of all time, Joey Wendell. Uh, so, I could see the Marlins just hanging around and being those pesky, annoying – that team that's, that just won't go away, and they're just kind of right there. 
You're absolutely right. Your your NL Cy Young, if the season were to end today, would be Pablo Lopez. He's four and one with an ERA of get this one point oh five in seven starts. Like how how is that physically possible? Him and Alcantara at the top year are always great, and their bullpen is is sneaky nasty. Lots of former Orioles in that bullpen too, which also hurts my heart. So uh, Cole Salser, Tanner Scott, uh, is uh, is. I wonder if um what's his face they had another um they had another lefty from the Orioles I can't remember what his name is but yeah he was in the pen too but yeah I, I'm buying I'm buying the Miami Marlins I look at Jorge Soler every time I look watch quick pitch in the morning it's just Jorge Soler sending a ball to the moon so <laughs> that guy hits tanks yeah I, I'm buying whatever like they're not going to win the division but if we're, if we're talking about them wild card possibly Dude, I never, I haven't played against him in the regular season, but in the spring training last year, we were playing at Kansas City's place, and I was in right field, and Tommy Pham's in center, dude. And we were both literally, he came up, we were both literally playing on the warning track. Like, we were both standing on the warning track. I'm like looking at Tommy, like laughing. He's just like, what? Like, it's just, just fucking where you play Jorge Soler, you playing at the fucking, and he hit, and the craziest part was, I forgot about this, he hit a line drive. And it like still got over Tommy's head. Like that's how hard he hit it. Like hit the fence and almost knocked the fence over. It was a joke. I'm like, this dude is a monster. Oh, it was Richard Blyer. It was the other uh, Marlins reliever uh, that I was trying to think of. He's on the IL right now. But yeah, I, I love the Marlins. I think Jazz Chisholm is electric. He's f- top 15 in the league in OPS right now. So yeah, whatever the Marlins are buying, uh, I, I'm I'm purchasing because or whatever they're selling, I'm buying. I just completely botched that. Uh, all right. Buy purchase. I would like to buy, buy and buy them. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense at all. All right. Last thing that had for us was a little on pace for over under. So I love on pace for stats. Uh, they almost never turn out to be correct. And what really got my creative juices flowing was this tweet by Buster only who, who said that Aaron judge is on pace for this stat line. If Aaron judge were to play the rest of the season, he's on pace for 63 home runs, 135 RBIs, 185 hits, and he'd have a slash line of 315, 384, 692. So that's just stupid. How is that possible? Like, how? He might be the only guy in the history of the world who turned down $210 million and is going to look smart. Yep. Because that, that is worth more than that somehow. He's like, that's what he's so crazy because he's like almost, I mean, no offense to people that are 30, but he's like almost 30 whoa, now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I know Jesus. as soon as I said, I was like, wait, pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, but you know God, what I mean? Dude. Like eight year, seven year contracts for people after 30, usually not great. You're right about, yeah, usually not great. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to argue. I, I would think it'd be a shorter term. Well, I'm sure he'll want a longer term, but uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's, I don't know where the stigma of, of 30 and you stink came from, you know, I, it's, it's crazy. It really is. It's crazy. Cause I, I it was, uh, I just saw JD Martinez is 35 and he's in the, uh, this is the last year of his contract and he's hitting the 350. Like his numbers are, are unreal again. It's like, dude can hit what well, I know he's DH maybe doesn't take as much wear and tear or whatever, but you know, Aaron judge is, I, he's going to hit, you know, I, I guess, some of the examples he had, like Pujols' his contract in an age, great. Votto, but you know, Votto struggled for a couple of those years there, but then he he changed his approach and he was unbelievable last year. So I don't know. I think uh, I think the thirty things are overblown. I get not wanting to commit to guys until they're 37, 38. I I, I get that, but somebody's gonna. I mean, it's probably gonna be the Yankees, but somebody's gonna pay Judge. Somebody's going to do it. His game, I, do you see his game? I mean, he just kicked the shit out of your Orioles today. What single-handedly should have had three homers, but they moved the fences back and it hit the top. So he only had the one two. time it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh but, man. Yeah. That's a, that's an unbelievable line. He's, he's on fire. He's absolutely on fire. That, that's such an interesting point about, yeah, you're right. There is this, this mass stigma about, especially in free agency where it's like, you know, you, you don't necessarily, pay for somebody's after 30 years because there is going to start to be a decline. And who knows, maybe with the NL putting a, a DH in there, maybe some of these guys like, like, like Nelson Cruz is still kicking ass at, I think he's like 40. 
Um, so, but I feel like there's, those guys are kind of few and far between. And most of the time you get kind of like, like a Chris Davis or a Ryan Howard, or like some of these guys that like were given these big contracts post 30. And then you watch them and they're like, they just fall off a cliff. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just long-term contracts. Maybe if you do a couple at a time, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't exactly remember what, what went on with Ryan Howard. I know Davis obviously were injuries, you know, if he was healthy, Maybe we talked with AJ Adam Jones about his struggles. I mean, maybe he was banged up that whole time and it was really hindering him and changing the things that he was doing. I, who knows? And he might never admit to that, but the one thing that you just made me think of that kind of all those guys have in common, they're big, they're big dudes. And Aaron judge is a big dude. He's a great shape, obviously, but, Maybe that would be one one thing that uh, Yankees would be looking or whatever team would be concerned about. But also, he can the older he gets, he could DH. I'm sure he's still gonna be able to hit the ball <clears throat> hit the ball out of the park. But I, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think I think we're gonna see change in terms of the how front offices look at age soon. I don't think I think with the CBA. That's that's what the players were really working for to was to, you know, those guys who were 30 to 35 who are still should be on teams can make their two million, three million dollars and help a, a good team instead of a young prospect or a young guy that they just are trying to save money and throw on the roster. So hopefully that's that's how it works out. And uh, shit, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how much money Judge gets after this year if he if he hits at this pace the entire season. It's not looking good for the Yankees if he's already turned them down once. Usually, guys are kind of feel like kind of like what the heck, man. They they feel like uh, they deserve more sometimes. Like I look with the, the Nationals and Juan Soto. I don't have great vibes feelings for that because he's already turned them down once, and it's like, I mean, that offer was pretty good. So uh, I don't know. That's that's gonna be a fun one to follow this off season. And I'm also not looking forward to when Juan Soto goes to the Yankees. So um, <laughs> it's just, it's not going to be fun. Uh, that so suck. that's what judge was on pace for. Um, if you had to say like an over under for his home runs this year, though, I, I mean, you think over 50. If, if, if it was 50, I'd take the over slightly yeah. over. Yeah. I wouldn't go to 60. Who's I mean, the last guy to hit 60 is probably like Stanton, maybe. If he even got to 60, he might not have. 60 is a big fucking number for home runs. 60 is a – I, dude, I hit I hit 30 in 19 in AAA, and that felt like I was hitting a home run every game almost. And 60, 60, I'm not a math guy, but 60 is a double, is double of 30. So I can't even imagine what it would be like to hit 60 fucking home runs in a season. But I'll take, I'll give him like 53. Because, man, in most, you know, in all likelihood, he's going to have a little slump in there somewhere. And it's, you know, the numbers are going to come down some. In all likelihood, maybe he won't. Maybe he's going to rip the year. If He's one of the guys who could hit 60. I'll say that. But I'm going 53. That's right. You're, uh, I, yeah, I think over 50, less than 60. I was looking at the, the last time somebody hit over 60 uh, was, I think it was Sosa and Bonds in 2001. The la- Stanton had 59 in 2017. Oh, so man. he was one short of that. So he could have really helped our cause there. But yeah, there's going to come a point in July and August where it gets hot and then the back gets really heavy and you're like, you know, maybe maybe you get uh you get some injuries banged up there. It's just everything has to go perfect for you to hit that many home runs. So, I think yeah, like mid to low 50s maybe, but that's still, I mean, that's that's a fantastic season. Phenomenal. Yeah. 50 is is a <laughs> 50 is a great number too. And yeah, Bonds and uh, Sosa, I mean, Think about how long ago that was. No, I don't know. 60s, 60s a lot, man. 60 is a whole lot. Judge had 52 in 2017 was his uh was his high. So I think yeah. he I think he said 
on uh, some video I saw somewhere he's hitting off the tee and he said, I'm, I'm hitting 50 again this year. So I'm going to, I'll believe him. And that's in that Yankee Stadium Little League Park with the fences are 200 feet. Yep. <laughs> Little League Homer. Little League Homers. Uh, so this ESPN does this thing where they give a, like a full season projections and not, and they're not all the time, 162 games, but, uh, like I think Bryce Harper's full season projection was like 150 something games, but we'll, we'll kind of run through some of those just because they were, they were nice and neatly packaged for us. So Manny Machado is projected to have 32 home runs. Uh, I feels, I feels low. I would take the over on 32. What do you think? I'd take the over too. I think he, I think he, I think Manny hits at least 35. I think he's 35. He's, he's rolling, man. He's, he's in a good spot as long as he stays healthy. um, Cause he does, he's, he's out there every fucking day. So as long as he stays healthy, man, I I think he gets over, I think he hits over 35, 30, 38, 39. He's got seven right now. Um, Bryce Harper has nine home runs right now. He's uh, projected to have 41. I'm going to say the under on that because the last time he hit over 40 was his MVP year in 15. Damn, it's been that long. I mean, 40 is a lot of homers. You're right. I'm going to go like just under, like say like 38, right around, right around there. And he's already banged up too. It's just DHing right now. So that's scary. I'm going to go just under. I think I, I'm right there with you. Taylor Ward of the LA Angels. He has nine home runs right now. His, his projections for the full season are hilarious. He's projected to have 52 home runs and 133 RBIs. There's no, I mean, I hope for his sake and the Angels' sake he does, but uh, if, if, you were, if those are the over-under numbers right there, I'm going under. Sorry oh. about it. I mean, there's, there's not even a question. I didn't know he leads – I guess he leads baseball in average on-base slugging OPS and OPS+. plus. Dude, I'm not kidding. He's literally like – it's like Trout, all Trout's numbers, and then it's like Taylor Ward, just above Trout. <laughs> it's like just better than Trout. Oh, uh, that's – this guy's just wild. Him. And he's been in the league wild. since 2018. Dude, I played against him at double-A. He was a first-rounder. He uh, – and all I remember at double-A, they've moved him around a bunch. He was a catcher. He had a really good arm. I remember that. He was a catcher, and then they they had him at third base. Now he's in the outfield. Uh, and I just remember playing with Double A, and and he was hitting like seven hundred to start the season, first like 20, 30 games. And they 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 were Mobile, which is an hour from Pensacola, so we played them all the time. Whatever in their five game series, we play them. You know, there are a ton of games. Every it was I swear it was like the opposite of the the lefty shift. Like we should have lefty shifted him on the on the, the other side of the field. Like every hit every hit he got was just like a hard ground ball between short and third. And I'm like, when the fuck are we gonna play this guy over there? But he was hitting. He was literally. I'm not exaggerating. He was probably hitting 600. And it was every. It was just like. Hard hit ground ball through the like, so I don't know what he figured something out different, but um, he's always been a pretty solid, solid player. There's just there's something in the water out there in Orange County because you have like Jared Walsh burst onto the scene last year, like like Taylor Ward is kind of like that version of him this year. Like that's, I mean, I would love to know what their their secret sauce is for hitting because it just seems like guys go there and then they just turn it around, except for Josh Hamilton, <laughs> dude Walsh. Walsh stayed with my host family the year before I did at college summer ball. He, uh, he's a Georgia. He went to the university of Georgia. I know him pretty well. Nice dude. He, uh, he was a two way guy too, lefty pitcher. And they banged that and he was just hit, man. He's like a late, he's like a 28th round pick. Like doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, wasn't really a guy and just fucking raked everywhere. And double a triple, like double a, his numbers were stupid. Like they, he's just, they're just like, man, this guy, <laughs> We got to give this guy a shot because all he does is fucking hit. So he uh, is still like kind of funky little, little little moves he does in the box. But, man, he can swing it. I hated playing first base. I, I remember that playing Mobile. Get, he was on Mobile, too. And we were – I'd be playing first base Pensacola, and he'd come up. And I'd be like holding the runner on first base. And I'm like, fucking shit, man. This guy's about to smoke a ball right at me. Not even get my glove up in time. So I looked it up. 
He was drafted in the 39th round. 39th round. I didn't know there was 39 rounds. It was only for a couple of years, and then they're like, all right, this is way too many rounds. That's so many rounds. That's yep. that's insane. It used yeah. to be more. <laughs> oh my god. It's like it was there like 50 like rounds. Oh I think it was 60. That's I mean, Walsh isn't having as great of a year this year. I look back at last year, his numbers were like last year he had 29 home runs. Yeah, all-star, 277, 29 home runs. So I mean it's pretty fucking good. Yeah, some I'm guys sure just this find year. It. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he'll uh, – I'm sure he'll, he'll figure it out again. But, yeah, well, if you're an all-star man, that's uh, – I'll give you the benefit of the doubt for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I look at what our guy Eric Hosmer is doing. And so right now he has four home runs, 24 RBIs. He's projected to have 18 home runs, 108 RBIs, and 198 hits. Uh, so for the home run part, I think 18 is – I don't know. I, I feel like there's got to be more than that, right? I know he only has four now. I would take uh, – I think he'll get to 20. I think he'll get to 20. But he's uh, – you know, he's got he's got the pop. It's not that. But he just takes uh, – he, he, he takes what's given to him. He's not out there just trying to hit a home run every, every single at bat. So, I definitely – I'd still take the over. I'd say 20. And uh, – you know, I'm sure he's still, even though it's going really well, I'm sure he's still trying to fine tune his swing and and make sure he's he's got that uh, that better path and better angle that that we were talking about with him on here, so that he's you know he's hitting line drives and not ground balls. But 198 hits is a good fucking season. So I wouldn't, you know, if he only hits 18 home runs and he's got 198 hits, that's still a pretty good year. That's I would buy that every single year. Uh, all right, just a couple more. I look at what CJ Crone is doing out in Colorado. Nine home runs, just like leading like the, the team, I feel like, in a lot of offensive categories. He's projected for 41 home runs uh, over or under. I'd go under slightly. I think he'd hit 30. I mean, he's, he's in Colorado, obviously. I just saw it. I forget where I saw it on Twitter. It was, it was some sort of scoring system for like the awards already this year and it was you know all the guys you would you would you would think of the top 10 like best hitters and you know trout mookie freddie freeman all dudes like that and you know just snuck in there on that list at like seven before Har- before harper and somebody else was cj crone and i was like holy shit so i knew he, i knew he had a really good start to like the very beginning of the year i haven't seen that even keeping it up this whole time but Man, good for him. It's a great place. Uh, he's definitely got pop, and that's a, a, you know, obviously a stadium everyone knows is is good for that. So, 40 still a lot. I'm going 30, 33, right around, right in that range. He'll probably get traded. Although the Rockies are respectable right now. Yeah, they're, they're frisky. Uh, yeah, I would say under 41. Uh, I would say probably high 30s. Last year I looked, and he played 142 games in Colorado, and he had 28. So, I mean, I think he's going to have more than that. But, yeah, 40 is a big number. Like, we, we, we see all these projections. Yeah. Like, they rarely do people hit 40. 40 is, you know, you're, you got to stay healthy. And you stay healthy and you got to play, I mean, 140 games. You know, and then if you play 140 games, that's every, more than once every four games you're hitting a homer. So, it's – that's all. That's it's 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 a tall task for sure. But the one thing he does, I mean, he's 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 in there to do that. You know, he's he's a pretty good hitter, but he's in there to to, to hit balls over the fence. So that's all. Uh, that's probably all he's really worried about. Yeah, and he's he's got a high average too. I think it's like three twenty. Uh, last one is Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's only projected for thirty one home runs. Last year he had forty eight. Uh, I mean, you have to hammer the over on that, right? Is he struggling right now? Um, I mean, he's hitting 282. He's got seven homers, 20 RBIs. Uh, I mean, that's that's so funny, dude. That's like I feel I, I say that because I feel like I haven't heard anybody talking about him, or I haven't seen you know highlights on Sports Center or anything about him. And you're like, oh, he's hitting 285 with with seven homers. You know, like 
yeah, it's pretty good. Like pretty for a normal person. That's pretty good right there. But yeah, I would take the over on that. He's, you know, he's bound to get hot. And uh, I guess, man, I, you know, I think it's been a little inconsistent for him up and down. Cause I do remember, I think he hit the three homers in one game, I think off Garrett Cole. And then I think, you know, classic struck out like four times the next day. Gotta love baseball, but uh, he's too, he's too talented, man. I think he'll, he'll end up hitting 40. Yeah. I, I mean, 31 is that, that's a pedestrian number for somebody as, as good as Vlad Guerrero jr. Is yeah. There, there's going to come a point where you're right. He did have three home runs in a game. He's going to have a lot of those kind of strung together. He's going to have like a really hot month. I feel like. So, I mean, last year he had 48. I don't think he's going to get that many, but I mean, 31 is child's play. I feel like to Vlad. So uh, we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there, but that's all I have, man. This, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. I mean, I like doing this, even though this this one wasn't as planned as the other one. That little unfortunate uh, thing happened to our guest there. But uh, it's always good to, to just have me and you on here and talking and, and just kind of catching up. Um, so we'll see. Next week, we should have uh, we should have another interview. And um, man, we'll just keep going from there. I love the little, I love the little like, uh, like personal stories that you throw in. Like we'll, we'll bring up a player and you're like, Oh, I, I played against, I really played against him here. And I, I, I watched him hit a moonshot there. It's like that stuff is just fascinating me. I've been, I, I played against a lot of the, a lot of guys I've been around a while. So it's funny now see some of the guys, you know, that you played against in the minors who maybe some, you know, some guys I'm like, this guy's pretty fucking good. Like, why isn't he doing whatever? Or then there's other guys who you're like, yeah, guy's not very good. And then all of a sudden he's in the major leagues and he's just like doing it. And you're like, oh, well, guess he figured it out. I, I told this is this is a good one with that. I told Trent Grisham was one of those guys from the, the who's one of my good buddies from the Padres. He's uh, he struggled a little bit this year, but he I played against him in Double A. He was with uh, when he's with the Brewers and. But dude, I he had like just got there and I, like he came up and I'd be in the outfield and I'd be like, well, here comes a strikeout. Like it's just like no chance. And uh he did, he really struggled that that year. And then I, you know, next I, I went to triple A in the middle of that season. And then the next year, 19, I'm in triple A. And that was when I was playing really well. And you know, I'm seeing on whatever on on Twitter or like MLB pipeline, like whatever the fuck it was. Uh, he was in AAA and just his numbers were a joke. Like he, he was just shitting on baseballs and he got called up like a week after that or whatever. So he, he's one of those. And I told him that and he was like, Oh yeah. Like right away. He's like, Oh dude, I couldn't hit shit that year. Like he knew right away, but it was uh, just like hearing his story about like what he did to turn around and stuff was awesome too. But yeah, man, it's funny. It's just funny to look back on on the minor league times and, and see what guys are doing now. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it, it's funny because you're right. Because Trent Grisham was like, yeah, like one kind of down year with Milwaukee, and they cut bait with him. When I was just like, I mean, you know, the, the wild card game was what it was, but I, I don't yeah. know if that was necessarily cause for like getting this guy on a on a plane out of town. So, um, he's doing still, he's still doing pretty good though. You know, man, I have a ton of respect for him because. Because of that, because that happened in the wild card game, made that error, and he went out and won a gold glove the next year. So that I have a ton of respect for because obviously that sucks as a as a player for that to happen and for him to, you know, because he is – I mean, he's a great defender. He was then. It just shit happens. He, that, that fucking – he missed that ball. Um. But mentally, you know, that takes a lot to, to go out there and do that. And uh, if you knew him, his demeanor, he's very chill. He's very, you know, so he, he's, he's a good guy to, to, to handle something like that. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, that's all I had. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week, right, with, with an interview and some more stuff. But, uh, yeah, man, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll definitely be back next week. I know this one's coming out a little bit later. Uh, we had to scramble a tiny bit, but. Nonetheless, it was fun. 
I got to go to bed because I got to be up for my day job tomorrow, but it's always fun hanging out with you and talking to uh, all the listeners. So absolutely, thank you for everybody for listening to, uh, to Breaking Bats and we'll see you next week. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Thank you.